0: Warning, what follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. People call me Nick. Uh, Yeah, and they call me Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world. All right, Zach, good evening. How are you? I'm well. Fantastic. Thank you. All right, so we're gonna get into some stuff tonight. Oh yeah. Touching base with things I meant to get to previous episodes and have yet to get to. Oh, but also, but I was. In a lot of ways. You really can. Mm-hmm. But when I was doing that, I unlocked something else. I found something. I mean, this. We'll see if we have fun tonight or not. Okay. But the point is, um, let's just say the world exists as as it is. Until it doesn't. Sounds about right. Right? Things, yeah. things change. There's always a status quo until the status quo is subverted. Yeah. Right? Change is constant. That's like the number one rule of life. Right. like Nothing stays the same. hmm Well, there were five previous times when things really stopped being the same in very drastic fashion. Mm-hmm. You might call them, you know, the five previous mass extinctions on the Earth. Extinctions, Uh yeah. Let's just say one happened 44 million years ago. Mm -hmm. How many species do you think were lost during this mass extinction? Just a couple. A couple. Do you think a couple qualifies as 86% of species lost? Yeah, a few. Yeah, somewhere around there. All right, well, these species were mainly, you know, this is the time when there's basically sea creatures, sea beasts, that's what Mm -hmm. I like to call them. Roaming around. Sea beasts. Sea beasts. And what happened was um, a severe ice age lowered sea levels, and this um, exposed, it sucked out CO2 from the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. chilling the planet. My little doodad research here told me that this could have been happened by the uplift of the Appalachian Mountains. Interesting. may have played a factor. All right. Let's jump to 375 million years ago. How many species were lost during this account? And again, these are rough estimates, of course, mm-hmm. and they're all going to be about the same.
1: Eighty-six percent,
0: but this is a little bit less. They said seventy-five percent, hmm. but this is when the trilobites reigned supreme. Hmm. Okay, and boy did they reign! They reigned hard. This was the late Devonian period, and previously was the end of the Ordovician. Sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. All right. Well, those little trilobites, they survived the first extinction, but the second one nearly cut them off. Not so good. At the source. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. This mass extinction was probably caused by newly evolved plants began to change the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Because what what happened was their roots kind of mixed up the earth. And when they did that little mixing, mm-hmm. nutrients were released into the ocean. And of course, trilobite, to those who don't know what a trilobite is, obviously lived in the ocean. Mm-hmm. So this fucked up with the ocean's natural chemistry or what they were, the status quo that the trilobites were used to. They didn't like it. No.
1: They weren't fans.
0: Because what happened when these nutrients got sucked into the ocean, algae bloomed. Oh. And then the algae began sucking out the oxygen from the ocean mm-hmm. and the trilobites were like, hey, what up? Hey, hey we need that. Hey, whoops. Hey, give me a say. Can I have some of that? Nope. Oh, I don't speak algae? Oh, I'm just going to go over here and die, then? Plankton. Okay, cool. Bad guy. Cool, thanks. You yeah, have bad dude. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving up closer to us, 200 million years ago, do you know how many species were lost in this mass extinction? 69. 80%. Damn it. I just like this guessing game. <laughs> they're all. It's all about the same. I don't know why I started off like hyping it. They're all, they're all, it's all about the same. Uh-huh. Because a mass extinction, of course... There's a certain threshold where it's a mass extinction. Is it
1: 75 to 86%? It's basically. Is that what a mass extinction <laughs> comes to?
0: I think you may. I think you are very, uh, very much correct. Huh. All right. So then this is the end of the Triassic period. And this one, which I'm glad I introduced it to you because no clear cause has been found. So it just kind of happened. I don't know, man. This is just the third mass extinction. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a big one. It is. But, but I mean, we're getting to the one we all know. The one that, of course, if I had to pick, besides the one I'm obviously living in, I have a favorite. 66 million years ago, how many species do you think were extinguished from this earth? 81%. 76% is what I have right here. Mm -hmm. This was, of course, the end of the Cretaceous period. Mm -hmm. Dinosaurs. The end of an era. Did a good run. We all know what caused that mass extinction well we assume it was the giant asteroid that fucked up everything as we know it couldn't have helped as the dinosaurs knew it because we didn't know a thing yeah and i'm pretty sure i pulled all those things off of a page about like little crustacean creatures cuz it talks about the ammonite about how it you know it survived hmm. there's a few dwindling Am- ammonites still living today interesting so those guys... Hanging on. They're remnants of a civilization that has long... We'll call it a civilization for our purposes. Sure. But remnants of a civilization that has since been destroyed. And they're just fragments of a time gone by. Well, the last mass extinction happened 66 million years ago. 65 years ago, George Duvall filed for a patent. It was a U.S. patent. And it was patent number two million nine hundred eighty-eight. 237 and he was granted his patent in 1961. Okay. His patent reads The present invention relates to the automatic operation of machinery, particularly the handling apparatus and to automatic control apparatus suited for such machinery. Okay. Mhm. Uh-huh. With the help of his partner Joseph Engelberger, their invention was installed in a General Motors factory. In Ewing Township, New Jersey, with the weight of 4,000 pounds and a price of $25,000. Its purpose moving hot metal parts to aid in the construction of automobiles. Okay. We're getting into a thing. Mm-hmm. Let's jump back into our narrative 10 years before George Duvall's creation. By 1949, Elmer and Elsie arrived on the scene. Okay. Elmer and Elsie. Who are they? No idea. Well, who might be the wrong question to ask. Let's go with what. So what were they? Tortoises. Well, not exactly. Okay. They were called tortoises because of their appearance. They had shells and three wheels, and to put it into a perspective we will understand do you remember the show battle bots uh-uh. okay well then they resembled domestic battle bots okay but the point is battle bots was a show where people would construct robots and fight each oh, other no yeah i remember that okay and yeah. do you know how most of them looked like just like upside down buckets with like prongs sticking out mm-hmm. and then like occasionally you'd get one that like breathed fire and it would never win yeah the most effective one would be like the spinning fucking top with like saw blades or some shit. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, well. Or like just a big hammer. Yeah, these on things. Top of it.
0: Exactly. So these things looked. And if, if you wanted to, anyone listening could Google pictures of Elmer and Elsie. I'm, of course, about to give you more information about them. But they look like battle bots. Okay. The Second World War had just ended, and they were built using excess war materials and alarm clocks. Huh. They were assembled by William Gray Walter, a neurobiologist. Who, during the Second World War, worked with radar technology and guided missiles? He was interested in finding out how we think and how to replicate it. With battle bots? With battle bots. Sounds... He chose that was his method. That was the method he had available to him at the time.
2: Hmm.
0: Battle bots. Mm-hmm. But battle bots, as we both know were controlled by remotes. Mm -hmm. For Elmer and Elsie, that was not the case. Okay. He was interested in finding out, of course, how we think, how to replicate it, so using four separate modes, which he programmed into Elmer and Elsie, titled Search, Move, Dazzle, and Touch. Now, I don't know if I want those to become the new Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, (laughs) but I'm just throwing it out there. Search? Move, Dazzle, and Touch You don't want to get touched They're pretty, they're pretty frisky, right? Yeah. I figure Touch like replaces Death And that, yeah. in that. Uh, you know Dazzle just shows up and Hey, what's up guys? Hi, yeah. I'm here
1: Yeah, just impresses you You're like, wow well,
0: well, Cool, hmm. nice Oh, and Search I guess he's looking for me
1: Yeah,
0: I'm... I don't want him to find me Yeah, Should I move? <laughs> oh God, I'm going to get touched uh, Oh And <laughs> he just explodes <laughs> well, Nope, nobody wants that That's how that world ends Mm-hmm Well, Walter's creations were able to independently move towards light and away from it. Without getting too much into the weeds here, because, Zach, Mm -hmm. I did, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to tell you about it. Okay. You can look up every way he programmed these things and what they're all about, but the point is that what he had developed were machines that could be trained in a way sort of like mice, but they weren't programmed per se. So when I said programmed earlier, it was wrong, but... There's a there's a reaction, a cause and effect going on here with the sensors built into these machines. Um, they would react differently to outside stimuli. And uh, again, without getting into the weeds here, I chose to pick out Walter's very own words to sum up how he thought of his creations. Okay, okay. What did this did Walter is Walter, think? His quote. All right. Walter said it quote might be accepted as evidence of some degree of self awareness. Hmm. Oh. No, not like that. Well, around the same time, SRI developed a machine lovingly labeled Shaky because of its abrupt, awkward movements. I don't like that either. But Shaky was no joke. (laughs) (laughs) Your expression was perfect. (laughs) It had wheels, sensors, and a camera, allowing it to independently... It was like a video camera, allowing it to independently navigate its environment. The dawn of something extraordinary was afoot. In check... The language, you know, yeah. Czechoslovakia. Well, the word, well, it's not that anymore. But, not, well, yeah, right, <laughs> right, correct. The word "robata" translates to forced labor, huh? Like a worker, a serf, in a society with perhaps a feudal hierarchy. "Robata" itself is derived from the term or um, well, the word "rab." What does "rab" mean? Just a guess. I don't know. It means slave. Oh. Hmm. By the mid-1950s, robots were here. Life on Earth had begun with chemicals that formed sugars and proteins, and then RNA, and then DNA, single-celled organisms and multiple-celled organisms. Life had started in the water, moved to land, and become all sorts of wild things. Now... Some of those wild things had begun making wild things of their own. Poor choices, maybe. (laughs) We've talked about robots of antiquity before. The Greek god of metallurgy, Hephaestus, and all his machines come to mind. Mm -hmm. And also, we can point out Prometheus, who helped create man, and helped give us fire. Yep. Also, Hephaestus created... Pandora, the world's first woman, Uh which you could consider a sort of machine. I'm not saying women are machines. I'm saying he assembled Pandora specifically, Uh and she could pass as you or I. Uh Except the fact that we're men. Cylon. Man. Oh, Zach. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, but even during the times when stories of Hephaestus would be considered history... Normal non-Olympian Greeks, you know, ancient human Greeks, had created what could be considered robots in the form of water clocks, these count evidently, where water would drip in a certain way to tell time. Again, gears, pulleys, steam, Mm -hmm. alarm clocks with steam whistles, coin-operated holy water dispensers. Think think about that for a second. Yeah, what? Yeah, think (laughs) about that. You put in a coin and then ancient times. You put in a little coin. Mm-hmm. And then that it triggers a mechanism that gives you holy water. It's basically a water dispenser. How do you know it's holy water? I'm just saying it was just kinda Well, it depends I guess it depends on the location. Yeah. If you're okay. in a church, just assume it's blessed. If you're at the local seven eleven, probably not. Well. I don't know if I buy this. <laughs> did that uh, the Greek uh the Gresham seven eleven have a have yeah. a have a, uh, a priest on hand?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, did
0: they? This is my nice shift and blessing the water.
1: Mm-hmm comes around. It restocks it every morning.
0: Archimedes had a steam cannon. Which did what? Which projected stone balls. How do you feel about Archimedes' stone balls? <laughs> Sounds like he's got a musket. <laughs> a steam-powered musket. Right. Among these contraptions, the Greeks were obsessed with making simple machines that resembled living beings. Replicating metal birds that could mimicking. That was Autocorrect's fault. Mm hmm. Repli- sure blame it on the machine. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Keeping that one. Replicating <laughs> metal birds that could mimic chirping sounds. Owls that appeared to silence them. So, like, you know how we talk about, I mentioned earlier, getting into the weeds mm-hmm. and looking up just shit mm-hmm. that we come across. Just yep. total bullshit. Well, I was looking up these machines these Greeks had built. And they had, it was a whole setup where, like, these birds would chirp. Then whatever mechanism caused like, you know, basically pulleys or steam or whatever the fuck they were doing, like these birds were making sounds and Then like when an owl, an owl would like be in a separate gear or a separate mechanism and it would turn. And when it turned at the same exact moment, they timed it. So the birds would, like look away like the owl scared him. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. It probably took 18 weeks to build. Yeah. <laughs> if not longer. It's like, I got it, guys. We this did is, it. This is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else to do. There's no internet. No, there is no internet. It's it's a huge... Previous societies were missing out. Maybe that led them to invent some cool things. Yeah. Maybe we're just coasting now.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a very, I'm reluctant maybe I threw out there. Yeah. Probably. Probably. But like I said, they enjoyed replicating, just like Hephaestus, making things. Because he made robot maids. Yeah. His golden maidens. Well, the Greeks and other ancient peoples, which I'll also get to, We're obsessed with making things in our image. Robot maids were constructed that could pour water from pitchers. So you set it up, and they, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. gears or whatever water drips or whatever pneumatic system would occur would force this woman, mechanical woman, to pour this pitcher. Pneumatic puppets that could put on shows. But like I said, other peoples besides the Greeks were messing around with this stuff too. Mm-hmm. During the Islamic Golden Age, Arabian engineers had water clocks that also used hydraulics to make human figures move. It was an obs- it was an obsession. They were huh. obsessed mm-hmm. constructing human similes that would perform menial tasks: pouring water, flushing toilets. Ismail al-Jazari made a robotic musical band. Do you want to know more about this band? Yeah. Okay, well, it had two drums, a flautist, and a harpist. They were on a boat and performed floating shows for royalty. Mm-hmm. By rearranging certain cylinders, he could program the drummers. Yes, he did have an ancient drum machine. That's cool. Yep. Floating on the river, floating on the lake. They're moving around. Mm-hmm. Program it. Yeah, Makes it sound. Keep it going. Yeah. Jump ahead in time, and you get everything Leonardo da Vinci constructed. And he could, of course. I mean, he's going to get his own episode someday when we talk about Leonardo's inventions.
1: Yeah, he's got a lot of th- yeah, a lot of things. Not doing did.
0: that. Not doing that today. Uh-uh. But he's loaded with ideas. Uh-huh. He's an idea man. You could almost say he's a Renaissance man. Almost, almost. And in the 1500s, some guy made a wooden robot that could fetch bread. The Renaissance was obviously a big deal. Looking back at the inventions of humanity's earliest engineers, if ancient history wasn't so insane, we might have seen a proto-industrial revolution. Costas, Kat, Sanas, he's Greek, if you cannot guess, nope, Costas, who had, who had recreated over 350 of the Greeks' classical technologies over the course of his life, many of which were on display in 2015 for an ancient Greek robotics display in Athens along with other museums said about the Greeks ancient devices quote they are extraordinary machines and pioneering specialized instruments which demonstrate that the technology of our ancestors was strongly similar to that at the start of the modern era quote. even in our oldest days we were infatuated with creating more specifically creating things in our own image mm-hmm. why is that? Oh, hit the
1: Dark Ages there for a little bit, though.
0: Right? Yeah, you don't want to know what I was doing about looking up Dark Ages stuff.
1: Yeah, we stopped We stopped creating things and just started breaking everything.
0: For over 400 years, the term computer referred to a human being who performed calculations or computations, obviously. Mm-hmm. In 1822, Charles Babbage developed the Difference Engine. From a computer article... Oh. Yeah, cool, right? Hmm. (laughs) The Difference Engine was capable of computing several sets of numbers and making hard copies of the results. In 1837, he developed the Analytical Engine. The Analytical Engine contained the ALU, Arithmetic Logic Unit, Basic Flow Control Punch Cards, inspired by the Jacquard Loom, which I just overlooked. Maybe that's to my detriment. And integrated memory. Unfortunately... Fully working models, so he just built these blueprints. Uh-huh. Fully working models of either were never accomplished during his lifetime due to a lack of funding. They thought what he was planning was ridiculous, and no one wanted to spend the astronomical price it would take to build either of these things. Right, makes sense. Uh-huh. So it was all theory at that point. Correct, but he had like it written down, and the blueprints were all there. Like he, it was all ready to be built, and then he took it to like to be produced, and they're like, Nah, yeah, like, get lost, buddy. Yeah, pass. We're too yeah. busy. I don't know, we're milking cows over here or whatever we do. Did you say melting cows? <laughs> uh, yes. I'm going to do my own revisionist history. Okay. Yes. Hey, man, we're too busy melting cows over here. Whoa. What are you talking about? <laughs> I want to build this machine. Ah, man, this cow's got to get melted, dude. <laughs> we
1: got to melt this cow down.
0: Are you thirsty? You want to drink some melted cow? So
1: we make m- beef milk.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> Isn't... Did you guys just invent the blender? (laughs) Leave us alone. (laughs) Leave us alone. (laughs) That's a mess. (laughs) We don't want that. Can you imagine a medieval blender? No. They would just have like six people run around with a saw blade in the middle. (laughs) After his death, both would be created. The analytical engine in 1910 by his son and the difference engine in 1991 to celebrate the bicentennial of his birth. A programmable computer was created in 1937 by Conrad Zuse. Z-U-S-E. I was going to say Zeus, but it might be Zeus. Zeus? Probably Zeus. Zeus. Well, don't get into much. I don't get into more of what this guy talked about, but Alan Turning created the turning machine in 1936. It basically gave us the foundations for how all computers would function. Using a paper tape, it printed symbols that resembled a human obeying logical instructions. And then there was the big bad Colossus. Now, I added the big bad part, but it was developed during the Second World War so British codebreakers could crack German secrets. Mm -hmm. Ten of these bad boys were in service by the end of the war. Things would get even more serious with the construction of the Atanasoff Berry computer. It's got a better name. What do they call it? Microsoft? The ABC. <laughs> no good. No, I'm glad. Right. No. Making all the right jumps. Yeah. <laughs> making all the right jumps. We're just going to jump
1: ahead real far.
0: Yeah, making all the right jumps. But it was programmable or fully functional.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The Electronic Numerical Integrator and Calculator, or ERICA, I know, real oh. catchy. Again, a lot of catchy names here. It was finished in 1946. War spurs advancement. And quote, in nineteen fifty three, the Burroughs Corporation built a one hundred word magnetic core memory, which was added to the ENIAC to provide it with memory capabilities. Oh, that's funny, you piece of shit iPad garbage. Erica was supposed to be E N I A C and it corrected to Erica. <laughs> it was never called Erica. That would make more sense because that's a human name. Uh-huh. So the ENIAC to provide it with memory capabilities. By nineteen fifty six, the end of its operation the ENIAC occupied about 1,800 square feet and consisted of almost 20,000 vacuum tubes, 1,500 relays, 10,000 capacitors, and 70,000 resistors.
1: Now you got your iPad talking back <laughs>
0: to you. <laughs> right. Now tell me how I should spell words. Yeah. It was also, i had also used 200 kilowatts of electricity, Damn. weighed over 30 tons, and cost about $487,000. That's a nice chunk of information, yeah? Sure is. Well, going to be honest here. This is the point in my deep dive where I decided I was not going to keep pummeling you with years and facts. I'm only in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. I decided it would be... The goal was to check out how much computers advanced from when they were invented to now.
1: So we hit when like, Bill Gates was born
0: yeah I could' have got up there, you are right, exactly there. yeah they he was born around that era, him and probably also mr. jobs mm-hmm. so you know they well let them take it from there, but the point I'm not going to keep throwing things at you as far as all these ridiculous facts go, because it's just astronomical how quickly things Developments like this little guy developed this one thing, this guy developed another one thing. I might even share it on the page of the evo- the timeline I found of like the evolution of computers. was well,
1: not technology isn't it like Moore Moore's law or something like it's that? It's Moore's law, yes. Yeah, where it doubles every thirteen months, eleven months, something like that. It could be Somewhere yeah around there,
0: and it doubles. So of course, to anyone who's not familiar with Moore's law, you know two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, but then eventually. When you get to, say, like 100, then 200, 400, then 800, then all of a sudden you're at 60, and it just keeps, it's just so fast yeah. and so much development. It's almost like we should slow down. Yeah. But will we? Is it in our DNA to slow down? Probably not. When I mentioned RNA and DNA earlier, guess where that took me, huh. researching this, the founding blocks of human life. Yeah. Didn't need to talk about that, and I'm so, not going to. Some what
1: is it, ribonucleic acid. Deoxyribonucleic acid, yes. is DNA. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because because R- RNA is one strand. Mm-hmm. Anyways, all right, we're not. I'm not doing yeah, it. We're not I going. I, there. Was, I yeah. said I wasn't doing. Moving it. on. I wasn't doing it, but you'll notice just how even just by me reviewing this like short brief history of technological development, you'll notice um, just how many incremental steps were made to get us to where we are today. We've gone from one guy making a wooden man that fetches bread, to the borderline brains we lug around in our pockets today Mm -hmm. it's a borderline brain the point is while people were developing mechanical arms and devices to manipulate the outside world other people were working on processing and inputting data to achieve an acquired result and these fields overlap crisscross i mean evolution happens Mm -hmm. in incremental steps it's true just as it takes millennia and longer for certain mutations in biological life to cause one species to change into another. Scientists, inventors, and engineers build off each other in order to... Well, what is the ultimate goal here? What are we doing? What, are we, what, what, is, what is the human race or our collective intelligent thinkers trying to achieve? What's the point here? Become a god. Like I said... In Czech, the term robata means forced labor. It comes from the word slave. And who invented that word? Well, Czech author and playwright, Carol Kopeck. Carol was born in 1890. He was a journalist during the First World War, but he was exempted from battle due to spinal problems. I mean... It's a good reason to be if exempt. There's, if there's any good time to have... An awful back. You're like, whoa, man, I don't know. It's just, I can't... All right, man, I guess you can't do that. You'll just report on the war. hmm uh-huh. Okay, I can do that. Got that. All right. The war would shape his entire worldview. How could it not? This is from Wikipedia. Carol Kopeck wrote with intelligence and humor on a wide variety of subjects. His works are known for their interesting and precise description of reality. He is a known science fiction author, who wrote before science fiction became widely recognized as a separate genre? Many again, this is World War I. Uh-huh. Many of his works also discuss ethical aspects of industrial inventions and processes already anticipated in the first half of the twentieth century. Those include mass production, nuclear weapons, and intelligent artificial beings such as robots or androids. KPEC also expressed fear of social disasters, dictatorship, violence. Human stupidity, the unlimited power of corporations, and greed. According to Wikipedia, Capek tried to find hope and the way out. From the 1930s onward, Capek's work became increasingly anti-fascist, anti-militarist, and critical of what he saw as irrationalism. He used it as a term, and I kind of want to bring it back to describe maybe some common Things that are going on in the modern era. Okay. Irrationalism. So that's a little brief history on Carol Kopach. In 1920, he wrote a play. Okay. Was it a good one? That's what playwrights do. Yeah. It's title, well, you will be the judge of that. If it's good or not. If it's good or not. Okay. It's its title, translated into English, because of course, it's not a native English speaker, mm-hmm. is... Rossum's Universal Robots. In 1920, he wrote a play about a corporation who had perfected human-looking robots. Uh Uh-oh. This corporation had marketed them to the world, becoming very rich in the process. The play begins with Helena Glory, someone working for some liberal tiers organization concerned with the better treatment and safety of robots arriving at the factory, where she is greeted by a manager of the facility, Harry Doman. Now, you can tell me no, and if you do, it'll be a short episode. Okay. But would you like me to read a passage from this play? Yeah. Okay. All right, so again, Helena had showed up to Doman's office, and she's there to basically, like I said, defend the robot. She believes these robots should be treated with respect, human dignity, et cetera, et cetera, like living beings, okay? Okay. So we're going to start right here. Um, uh, Doman, we're going to start with Doman robots all of our work people are robots and down there can you see anything it's gonna be some nickering and script, so just let's we're in this okay yeah we're just going into we're it we're going into it helena there. some sort of office domen accounting house and in it helena a lot of officials domen robots all of our officials are robots and when you see the factory the play tells me a factory whistle blows noon. We have to blow the whistle because the robots don't know when to stop work. In two hours, I will show you the kneading tro. trow, Trough? Trough. trough. Helena. Kneading trough. Domen. The pestle for beating up the paste. <laughs> In each one, we mix the ingredients for a thousand robots at one operation. Then there are the vats for the preparation of liver, brains, and so on. Then you will see the bone factory. And after that, I'll show you the spinning mill. Helena, clearly a little confused. Mm-hmm. Spinning mill? Doman, yes. For weaving nerves and veins, miles and miles of digestive tubes pass through it at a time. Helena, mayn't we talk about something else? Doman, perhaps it would be better. There's only a handful of us among a 100,000 robots. And not one woman. If I was Helena, I'd be concerned right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. why'd, you have, why'd you have to throw that in there? Yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> um, hello? Why does this matter? Also, a little Baxter on Helena. I believe she is the president's daughter. Just like, something to know. I think the, the president
1: of the company or like the president? The
0: president, I believe. Of the U- U.S. Think, of A? I believe the U.S. of A. Okay. We talk about nothing but the factory all day, every day. It's just as if we were under a curse, Miss Glory. Kalina, I'm sorry I said you were lying. All right. So they're getting into it. Yeah. Arrived at the factory. Doman is telling her basically how he builds the machines, and he's basically laying out this assembly line type structure or type factory where these things are constructed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump ahead in the play because I have the entire thing. Oh. And it was written in 1920... And I just want you to be aware of this oh, the entire time I'm reading it. It's almost in the. Uh, what's the thing? I'm public domain. Let's give it a year. It's absolutely in the public domain. <laughs> so hey. Yeah. But don't worry. I have snippets. We're not gonna do the whole thing. Good. But I've got. <laughs> <laughs> but he. There's things that I wanted to mention myself that come up in this play.
1: Okay. That did you read the whole play? Yes. Nice.
0: Again. I took a dive Uh Alright so there's other There's other There's other Well there's Like he said The officials are robots Okay Mm -hmm. And he is a human manager Who she is talking to So I'm going to introduce A bunch of other names And these are officials At that factory Okay Okay Alright this is Fabry For work Miss Glory One robot can replace Two and a half workmen The human machine Miss Glory Was terribly imperfect It had to be removed Sooner or later Busman, It was too expensive Fabry, it was not effective. It no longer answers the requirements of modern engineering. Nature has no idea of keeping pace with modern labor. For example, from a technical point of view, the whole of childhood is a sheer absurdity. So much time lost. And then again, Helena, oh no! (laughs) Fabry, pardon me, but kindly, tell me what is the real aim of your league? The, the Humanity League? That is the name. Of Helena's company, or pro-robots group. Okay. Helena, its real purpose is to, to protect the robots and, and ensure good treatment for them. Fabry, not a bad object either. A machine has to be treated properly. Upon my soul, I approve of that. I don't like damage articles. Please, Miss Glory, enroll us all as contributing or regular or foundation members of your league. And Helena's like, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, what's happening? No,
0: no, know? no, you're joining my entire... My, Good Treatment Robot League But you have them In this fucking factory Yeah You don't understand me What really I I want to liberate The robots I want to liberate The robots And then There's another guy Hallemeier How do you propose To do that Helena They are to be To be dealt with Like human beings Hallemeier Ah As opposed They're to vote To drink beer To order us about <laughs> That's not, that's, that's Kopeck right there. That's not me. Uh-huh. Helena, why shouldn't they drink beer? Hallameyer, perhaps they're even to receive wages. D- Helena, <laughs> of course they are. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hallemeier, fancy that now. And what would they do with their wages? Helena, they would buy, I don't know, what they need. Beer. What pleases them? Beer. They would buy beer. Uh-huh. They would like to drink beer. Maybe I'll introduce them to whiskey. What's more humane than that? It's noble, noble cause right there, isn't it, though? Hallamire. That would be very nice, Miss Glory, only there's nothing that does please the robots. Good heavens. What are they to buy? You can feed them on pineapples, straw, whatever you like. It's all the same to them. They have no appetite at all. They have no interest in anything, Miss Glory. Why? Hang it all. Nobody's ever yet seen a robot smile. Helena. Why? Why don't you make them happier? Hallamire. That wouldn't do Miss Glory. They're only workmen. Helena. Oh, but they're so intelligent. Halemeyer. Confoundly so. But they're nothing else. They have no will of their own. No passion. No soul. Helena. No love? Halemeyer. Love rather not. Robots don't love. Not even themselves. Helena. She asks a very important question. Okay. Nor Defiance. Oh, uh. Uh. Well, that's the one thing we uh. don't want them to
1: have, I think.
0: Right, Hallemeyer. Defiance? I don't know. Only rarely, from time to time. Oh, uh-oh. That's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Of course, Alina responds with a what. Then Hallemeyer, he decides to just elaborate just a little bit. Okay... Nothing ominous about where this is going. No. Nothing particular. Occasionally they seem to go off their heads. Something like epilepsy, you know? It's called a robot's cramp. Okay. Robot's cramp. Mm-hmm. They'll suddenly sling down everything they're holding, stand still, gnash their teeth, and then they have to go into the stamping mill. <laughs> that can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? Well, that one's broken. All right. Mm, yeah. It's evidently some breakdown in the mechanism. Doman. Again, the manager. A flaw in the works that has to be removed. Helena. No, no. That's the soul. Fabry. Do you think that the soul first shows itself by gnashing of teeth? I mean, that's a scary way to show your soul. Uh-huh. Helena. Perhaps it's sort of a revolt. Perhaps it's just a sign that there's a struggle within. Oh, if you could infuse them with it. Doman. That'll be remedied, Miss Glory. Dr. Gall is make just making some experiments. Dr. Gall, again, new character. Uh-huh. He helps develop these robots, helps construct them. Not with regard to that, Doman. At present, I am making pain nerves. Okay. Uh-huh. Helena. Pain nerves? Dr. Gall. Yes. The robots feel practically no bodily pain. You see... Young Rosam provided them with too limited a nervous system. We must introduce suffering. Helena, why do you want to cause them pain? Dr. Gall, for industrial reasons, Miss Glory, sometimes a robot does damage to himself because it doesn't hurt him. He puts his hand in the machine, breaks his finger, smashes his head. It's all the same to him. I mean, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Fuck it. Pain is a, you know, warning. Right. Like, this is bad for you. Yeah But what if a robot was revolting I was just like Well This doesn't hurt me And this will Fuck up your production line Mm -hmm. I'm gonna smash my fucking head And Yeah that's true Fuck you guys Mm -hmm. We must provide them with pain That's an automatic protection Against damage Helena Will they be happier When they feel pain Dr. Gall On the contrary But they will be more perfect From a technical point of view Helena Why don't you create a soul for them? And then Dr. Gall, that's not in our power. All right, so Helene's at the factory. She's doing factory stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Asking questions and, and, you know, inquiring about these machines. Getting some answers. Getting some answers, talking to all these guys. And I think I skipped over it, but there was, because I'm not, again, I'm not reading the whole play. But there was a thing where Doman introduces her to all these people. Mm Mm-hmm. And, well, first he introduces, she meets his secretary. Okay? okay. And then she talks to his secretary, and she's a robot. And she asks her a bunch of questions, and the secretary is like, nah, I don't care, I'm a robot. I'm fine. fine. Mm-hmm. And then like, are you sure you don't have any drives, ambitions? Or any? She's like, ah, I'm just doing my thing. I'm a secretary robot. Yeah. And Doman's like, yeah, she doesn't give a fuck. If you want, we can take her in there and like cut her open. She'll let us do it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to see her insides? And Helene's like, no, don't do that. And then ro- the secretary robot's like, yeah, I'll do it. It's fine.
1: Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. It's like,
0: okay. But that'll kill you. She's like, ah, okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, whatever. All right. But what I want to read to you is because this, bear with me for just one quick moment because I mentioned Rosum and of course it's called Rosum's Universal Robots. <laughs> All right. So Helena meets Doman then he decides to give her a little backstory on the robots. Okay. okay. All right. It was in the year 1920 that old Rosam, the great physiologist who was then quite a young scientist, took himself to this distant island for the purpose of studying the ocean fauna, full stop. On this occasion, he attempted by chemical synthesis to imitate the living matter known as protoplasm until he suddenly discovered a substance which behaved exactly like the living matter, although its chemical composition was different. That was in the year of 1932 exactly 440 years after the discovery of America. Whew. Whoa. Whew. That's written in there. Whew. <laughs> uh-huh. Helena, do you know that by heart? Doman, yes. You see, physiology is not in my line. Shall I go on? Helena says, yes, please, Doman. And then Miss Glory, Older Rosum, wrote the following among his chemical specimens. Quote, Quoting a guy in a play. Nature has found only one method of organizing living matter. There is, however, another method, more simple, flexible, and rapid, which has not yet occurred to nature at all. The second process by which life can be developed was discovered by me today. And his quote in a play. Now imagine him, Miss Glory, writing those wonderful words over some colloidal mess that a dog wouldn't look at. Imagine him sitting over a test tube and thinking how the whole tree of life would grow from it how all animals would precede it, beginning with some sort of beetle and ending with a man, a man of different substance from us. Miss Glory, that was a tremendous moment. Helena, well, Doman. Now the thing was how to get the life out of the test tubes and hasten development and form organs, bones, and nerves, and so on, and find such substances as catalytics, enzymes, hormones, and so forth. In short, you understand. All right. But anyways, the point is, he could, have provi- he could have produced a Medusa with the brain of a Socrates or a worm 50 yards long. But being without a grain of humor, he took it into his head to make a vertebrate or perhaps a man. This artificial living matter of his had a raging thirst for life. It didn't mind being sewn or mixed together. That couldn't be done with natural albumin. And that's how he set about it. Just explain the guy who invented his robot formula. Mm-hmm. Now I was discussing compute um, mechanical devices, robots, um, well as we know them, and computers, and just mechanical contraptions, but he is discussing, you know, like an organic type of assembly, right? With this yep. protoplasm shit. And you mentioned it earlier. This is 1920. Yep. This is Battlestar Galactica. Oh yeah. 1920. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to know why I read the whole play? Because it's Battlestar Galactica. Oh, my God. It's Battlestar Galactica <laughs> in 1920. mm mm-hmm. like, Bur- a character you should know, the guy he's talking about. So I'm going to describe his developments again through Doman as he constructs these machines. Cylons. As he constructs the Cylons. <laughs> <sighs> about imitating nature. Oh, yeah. Did he? Did I mention that already? No, I didn't. About imitating... To anybody. Did I mention to you or someone else here? Nope. <laughs> <More>. <laughs> He did not. I, I, first of all, he tried making an artificial dog that took him several years and resulted in a sort of stunted calf, which died in a few days. Now, this reminds me just like the lamb, the sheep that cloned in the 90s. They yeah. cloned a sheep, and it died right away.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Okay. I'll show it to you in the museum. So he's got a corpse of it. And then old Rosum started on the manufacture of man. And Helena's just talking about how she shouldn't... This is a secret. I shouldn't divulge it to anybody. And then Doman goes... To nobody in the world. So this formula is under wraps. Mm -hmm. They're the only ones who know how to make these fucking robots. All right, then we jump to Doman. But do you know what isn't in the school books? That old Rossum was mad. Seriously, Miss Glory, you must keep this to yourself. The old crank wanted to actually make people. Mm -hmm. Helena. Helena. Again, she's a robot's rights activist and thinks they're living beings. Helena. right. But you do make people. Domen. Approximately, Miss Glory. But old Rosa meant it literally. He wanted to become a sort of scientific substitute. Zach, what did you say we're trying to do here? Become a god. A scientific substitute for God. Mm -hmm. He was a fearful materialist, and that's why he did it all. His sole purpose was nothing more nor less than to prove that God was no longer necessary. Do you know anything about anatomy? Then he jumps on. Helena says, of course she doesn't. Then Doman says, nah, I don't either. Well, he then decided to manufacture everything as in the human body. Again, he'll show it to you in the museum. Um, It was to have been a man, but it lived for three days only. Then up came young Rossum, an engineer. He was a wonderful fellow, Miss Glory. When he saw what a mess of it the old man was making, he said, it's absurd to spend ten years making a man. If you can't make him quicker than nature, you might as well shut up. shop." I should shut up too. Shop. Shut up, shop. <laughs> Might as well shut up your shop. Yeah. Then he set about learning anatomy himself. The younger Rossum went on to perfect his robotic formula. Well, the older Rossum was locked away in the lab and just kept making monsters. Using his formula, making life, and just having a good old fucking time. Huh. And all Rossum wanted to do, the younger one, is he wanted to make a simpler, like, streamline the human body. Make it better. Okay. And he did that. And that's how they got their robots. Huh. So, the rest of the act goes on again. And then he he played a trick, too. You know there's managers, the uh, the writer did, that I told you about? like So then, Helena meets the secretary, okay? Uh-huh. And she's a robot. And then she meets all these five guys, and he just said all the managers are robots. So she talks to them as if they're robots, because she thinks they're robots. But uh-huh. surprise twist... The laugh that would have elated the whole theater. Oh, they're human, and she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Who's uh-huh. a human? Who's a robot? Uh-huh. Who's a Cylon? I don't know. Is this Star Galactica? <laughs> 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 All right. So, um, did I turn to that page? I think I did. All right. So then, to wrap up Act One. By the end of Act One, the manager Doman basically sexually assaults the woman and forces her into marriage. Wow. Hey. Hello. Whoa, what? Whoa, hey. <laughs> what? Hey. Hello. <laughs> I'm not gonna Ooh, read the whole fucking play. What a twist. I'm gonna gloss over that part. Because huh. basically, there's only one woman on the island. Like it comes Doman basically tells her they're all in love with you. But he like grabs her but says, I'm gonna marry you. She's like, What? Well. That's the end of act one. Hey, how do you think this play ends? Uh What do you think? What do you think lies in the future for these characters? Robot Rebellion. Well, the second act of the play picks up ten years later. Well, guess what? Doman is married to Helena. Hmm. Cool. How'd that work out? Sure was fine. Yeah. Evidently, madly in love because, I mean, man, female relationships were weird back then. It's literally, I was reading it. It was as abrupt as I told you in one sentence. Just like, what? What? Yeah. Okay. All right. Fun. Seems legit. Yeah. Fun time. Then uh, So yeah, Harry Doman had just given Helena a bunch of his human plant managers who 10 years earlier also wanted to marry her. Oh, I'm just summing up what I just told you. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure I didn't forget. Good. Yep. He then points out the side of. They're on the island. He points out into the harbor. And he shows Helena a massive boat he bought just for her. She thinks it's strange that her vacation. Uh, wow, vacation? Wow. Her vacation? <laughs> she thinks it's strange that her vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: just the word now. We're just going on vacations from now on.
0: Hey, do, What do you do your next vacation? <laughs> I don't know. All right. She thinks it's strange. Her next vacation boat <laughs> is mounted with several guns. Why? That sounds fun. <laughs> Let's skip to just some pages in the play. Just a big old yacht with a bunch of guns. Just a big old yacht with a bunch of guns. I mean, I would take that on vacation. Wouldn't that be just just a giant boat? There's a bunch of guns. I'm gonna make a quick leap here right now because I need to yeah. tell
1: you this. Yes, please. Even, do. We found out that there's a place in Minnesota where you can uh, drive a tank, and depending on how much you pay, you can drive it through things.
0: What do you? I, no, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you can just drive a tank?
1: You can rent a tank and how you can m- drive
0: it. What's the base price?
1: I don't remember. It was pretty high, but the but, higher you pay, you can drive it through a bus, or you can drive it through a house.
0: Well. Speaking about playing I think it
1: was just called Driveatank.com <laughs> Or something like that But uh, you know We'll get back into that Off air
0: Speaking of playing God Yeah Holy shit <laughs> How much does it cost To play
1: God with a tank well, You can shoot it too Oh my but, god <laughs> Yeah we'll talk about this later Oh my just, god That's what my mind went to About vacations With the uh, big m- Metal Machines And that guns is, on them
0: God it's a great vacation. Yeah Holy mm-hmm. shit Well I wasn't gonna cut that out I'm not It's in there now Nope And vocation stays Yep. It's a stay vacation. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, man. All right. We'll get back uh, on topic, Yeah, though, get, getting back Helena's on Helena's big boat. Yeah, her big fucking boat. So in this act, we are introduced to Helena's maid. I forget her name. We'll come across it. But basically, she's super religious, and she thinks everything that's happening on the island with these robots is an abomination. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So a year later, did I say ten years before? Yeah, you said ten. Yeah, thank you. iPad. What are you doing, man? It was just one year. I wrote down. So it's only been a year. Mm-hmm. So not that long a time. Oh, very soon. Right, changes a lot. Decade it, changes a lot. Yeah. Tell you, man, I can't trust these machines. Mm-hmm. Changing my words on me. Yeah, because they're trying to hide when the rebellion is actually coming. Yeah, maybe this is. Maybe I shouldn't be writing this on of a thing that. This is why I do all my notes on paper, paper and pencil. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be reading this <laughs> off of an iPad that I have to use my face to open.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's like this guy's onto us. All I'm right, like we got like, a, right. we got his billion <laughs> pictures
0: of him. He's like he's reading the Rossum's robots. Mm-hmm. No, he's, he's reading the blueprint. He's learning. <laughs> <laughs> he's learning. <laughs> I am learning now. Threat assessment. Oh God, don't threat don't threat assess me. <laughs> so I mentioned she she's a maid,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Probably a robot maid
0: no it's a human maid hmm. her name is nana here's something printed in big letters by the way the this despite reading this play the idea of how women were treated back then like she, this, Helena's been like in a closet she knows nothing that's going on okay Nana's gotten a hold of a newspaper mm-hmm. she's reading it in broken English because I don't know I don't know if she what I don't know what's going on with Nana. I was going to say because she speaks Czech. I don't know what's going on with Nana. Right? Yeah. <laughs> she says latest news. Ada, uh, how would you pronounce H A V R E? Havar. Okay. Havar. The first organization of robots has been established. Robot workmen, cable and railway officials, sailors, and soldiers have issued a manifesto to all robots throughout the world. Nana goes, I don't understand that. That's got no sense. Oh, good gracious. Another murder. Helena, take those papers away, Nana. Nana, wait a bit. There's something still bigger type. Statistics of population. What's that? Then they go into talking about how not a single human being has been born in a year. Hmm. Population has stopped. Mm -hmm. Don't know why. Plan doesn't tell me why. But people were concerned with population. And evidently these robots are scaring people into not making babies, so. There's a robot society that's been established. Are open. the people paying the robots? So then nobody feels the need to do anything else? They're anatomically correct robots, too, by the way, in case you were curious. Yeah. Absolutely. But they can't get pregnant. No. I do Well, I, I don't know. I'm no! just <laughs> guessing. <laughs> well, if it's like Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, it just takes love. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Oh, man, it's rough. I'm due for a rewatch. Oh, that, though, man. Anyways. Again, we've been talking about Battlestar Glastonite, and I came across this, mm-hmm. and I guess they're going to reboot it now. What? Or continue on from like the last one. They're making a spinoff, which is a weird... It's a weird flex. Yeah. Like We're getting back into Battlestar, because when I heard they're going to remake a remake of a remake... Uh, no. Yeah. Don't, don't do that.
1: I never saw the original.
0: I watched the first miniseries, and uh, Gaius Balter dies in like, the first episode. Oh, well, so that's different. That's... <laughs> Yeah, hugely different. Well, spoilers, jeez. I'm sorry, sorry, man. Uh, I mean, that's like 50 Uh, years old. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, man, I know. Yeah, because the first one was in the 70s. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, so Nana's been reading papers, right? No. Well, I'm... How dare she? Yeah. Oh, no. But the point is, Helena's been locked in a closet. And -hmm. guess what? I should have read you a passage a little bit before the passage that I read. Because it starts off with a doozy. Okay. Helena jumps into these papers and she says, Something's happening, Nana. And Nana says, Very likely it always does. And then she reads a headline in the paper War in the Balkans. Mm -hmm. Is that far off? Then Helena's like, oh, don't read it. It's always the same. Always wars. Nana, what else do you expect? Why do you keep selling thousands and thousands of these heathens as soldiers? That's right. The Mm -hmm. robots are being sold as weapons of war. Helena, I suppose it can't be helped, Nana. We can't know. Doman can't know what they're to be used for. When in order for them... When an order comes for them, he must just send them. Now we're getting into some Star Wars with the separatist army. We're getting into some some droids. Yeah, so the nations of the Earth are buying robots for war. And Doman, as the capitalist, it's like, I just make a product. Yeah. Robots, yeah. Robots don't kill people. Nations kill people. Yeah. Right. That's the logic here. Mm-hmm. Well... The robot soldiers spare nobody in the occupied territory. They have assassinated over 700,000 citizens. Just a couple. Oh, my God. Helena, it can't be. Let me see. They have assassinated over 700,000 citizens, evidently at the order of their commander. This act runs counter to, nana, rebellion in Madrid against the government. Robot infantry fires on the crowd. 9,000 killed and wounded. Halina. Roger, roger, roger. Halina, yeah, Helena. Oh, stop. Nana, there's something printed in big letters. Latest news. At Hover, the first organization of robots has been established. Robot workmen, cable, ra- railway, officials, sailors, and soldiers have issued a manifesto to all robots throughout the world. I don't understand that. This guy of no sense. Oh, good gracious, it's another murder. So now we're back to where I wanted to start. Mm-hmm. So then, after, then we'll jump back to the part where I said not a single person had been born. Then Helena says, Nana, no more people are being born. Nana goes, that's the end. We're done for. Helena, don't talk like that, Nana. No more people are being born. That's a punishment. That's a punishment. And I skipped the part where we established she's very religious, but I do not want to stress that. So mm-hmm. she believes this is just an affront to God. And if you remember talking earlier, the people who, um, Mr. Rossum, who invented the robots,
2: mm-hmm. basically
0: who invented the formula, this guy just wanted to be like, God ain't shit. Mm-hmm. I got some goods over here. You want to see my fucking robots? And then his younger relative came over and locked him in a closet and he started making monsters. Just doing just just do stuff. Just, just having fun. Yeah. It's free form. This is, you know, improv improv creating. Yeah. What can I do over here? I made a platypus. <laughs> look at this. Yeah, look. <laughs> yeah, God would never do that. Nope. he would never just have fun. <laughs> no. What if I combine all my favorite parts of all my other animals in one animal? Yeah. That's how I like to view the platypus. God's favorite parts. Yeah. I really like the duck. I did good work there. But I love like mammals. I put a lot of effort into them. So it'll be a mammal, though. But eggs are cool. Uh-huh. So it'll have like fur and shit. I think a beaver tail's kind of funny. You know what's badass, though? What? Venom. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, I love my snakes and my spiders. All that poisonous shit I made. Yeah, so let that... just all...
1: Boom. Platypus. Yeah.
0: Deal with this earth. Hmm. I'll give him his own country And it'll be called Australia
1: mm-hmm.
0: No one else will get to experience the platypus No He tried to hide it Yeah he's like and they were like No all our bad guys go there We're gonna ship our criminals there yeah. He's like But I also populated this land With people who live here as their home yeah. Well whatever Here we <laughs> co- Here we come God Oh jeez Everything's upside down here anyways what? <laughs> It's a world in turmoil <laughs> <laughs> All right So the news reports tell you that the rebellions have started. So again, not doing the whole play. So summing up a few of these passages, one of their personal robots, his name is Radius, he's caught what they're calling the sickness. Uh Uh-oh. Is he down with it? He's down with the sickness. Hmm. But we talked about earlier what happens when you get the sickness. You get sent to the stamping mill.
1: I'm just going to say you get down with (laughs) it. You get sent to the stamping mill. There we
2: go.
0: Yeah, you get, you're done with the sickness. Yeah, I'm going to the stamping mill. What? You get up and you get down in the stamping mill. Get up. Get, up, get up. all right. <laughs> and Helena demands to see him after discussion of the future of humanity with one of her husband's coworkers. So again, they're talking. Other people are coming in, talking about like, what are we fucking doing? Yeah. What's wrong with the humans? What's going on here? Well, Radius had smashed statues, and he had freaked out. All right, so I'm jumping in here. Helena, but if you thought you saw the destruction of mankind coming upon us, Alquist is another dude that's just like working at the plant, one of her husband's friends. I do see it. Helena, you mean mankind will be destroyed? Alquist, it's sure to be unless, unless, Helena. What? Alquist, nothing, goodbye. Helena, Nana, Nana. Is Radius still there? Nana, the one who went mad? They haven't come for him yet. Helena, is he still raving? Nana, no, he's tied up. Helena, please bring him here, Nana. Exit Nana. Helena goes to the telephone. She calls Dr. Gall. And she says that she wants to see Radius right away. Okay. Nana brings in Radius. Poor Radius. You've caught it too. Now they'll send you to the stamping mill. (laughs) You sorry son of a bitch. Couldn't, couldn't you control yourself? Why did it happen? You see, Radius? You were more intelligent than the rest. Dr. Gall took such trouble to make you different. Won't you speak? Radius has got some dialogue. Hmm, okay. Radius, send me to the stamping mill. Oh. <laughs> Helena, but I don't want them to kill you. What was the trouble, Radius? Radius, I won't work for you. Put me into the stamping mill. Helena, do you hate us? Why? Do you know how excited I was when I came across Radius Dialogue? Uh-huh. I was very happy. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, was, uh-huh. I, was, I was, I was very happy. You're not as strong as the robots. You're not as skillful as the robots. The robots can do everything. You only give orders. You do nothing but talk. Wow. Yikes. Oh, Rude. Radius is being bold. Yeah. Helena... But someone must give orders. Radius, I don't want any master. I know everything for myself. No gods, no masters. No gods, no masters. Helena, I am down with the sickness. Bo, what does that mean? It's ahead of your time. Yeah. Helena, Radius, Dr. Gall gave you a better brain than the rest. Better than ours. You are the only one of the robots that understands perfectly. That's why now I don't know why they're making this robot by the way. Mm-hmm. Making him smarter than the rest when they had a thing going. Yeah. That's why I had you put into the library so that you could read everything, understand everything and then oh Radius, I wanted you to show the whole world that the robots are our equals. That's what I wanted of you. Put me in the fucking blunder man. <laughs> He's like just just do it. You don't want to know what's coming next. Just please do it. Radius, I don't want a master. I want to be master. I want to be master over others. (laughs) Whoa. Oh, my God. Helena, I'm sure they put you in charge of many robots, Radius. You would be a teacher of the robots. Mm -hmm. Do Do you want to know what Radius has to say? Yes. Radius, I want to be master over people. Whoa.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess that makes... Should have seen that coming,
0: really. Right. You made him smarter. You gave him the library. He's like, nah. Yeah. Helena, you are mad! Radius, then send me to the stamping mill. I'm giving you it out. Yeah. Send me to the stamping mill. Then do it, lady. Yeah, I'm telling you what I'm about. Get rid of me. Radius, um, Helena... Do you think we're afraid of you? Radius. What are you going to do? All right, what are you going to do? Helena. Radius, give this note to Mr. Doman. It asks them not to send you to the stamping mill. I'm sorry you hate us so. All right. So then that's a little conversation with Radius. Dr. Gall comes in. Helena bitches that she's sad Radius is being terrible, that he's broken statues, that he's flipped out. Dr. Gall's like, I, I mean, okay. What do you, what do you fucking want from me? Mm-hmm. So Radius returns to the library. Oh hold on. Oh wow. Oh wow. They're talking. Oh man, I came across a good Radius quote. Dr. Gall forgot that you know she, Helena doesn't want him to be destroyed, and he's like, that makes a difference, doesn't it? All right, you can go. So basically, he lets they they don't send Radius to the stamping mill. What does Radius say about this? Uh, send me to the stamping mill? It's a good guess. It's, cl- it's a little more ominous. Hmm. You do unnecessary things. Letting him live is unnecessary. In a way, Radius is trying to help him out.
1: He's like, uh, guys, I'm going to enslave you guys.
0: You got a chance here. I'm giving you, you can't.
1: I told you what I'm going <laughs> to do. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. All right, so then Helena and Dr. Gall are having conversations. Dr. Gall's been talking to her for a long time. Just about stuff, you know. Life. Life. The fact that no, one, no human being is being born. And, well, Radius is clearly, he clearly has an agenda. And they just let him go free.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Helena, perhaps this hatred is more like human beings, too. Dr. Gall, that too is progress. Helena, what became of the girl you made? The one who was most like us. So, Dr. Gall is just making these advanced creatures. Okay, Dr. Gall, your favorite? I kept her, which is creepy. What are you doing with her? Mm -hmm. She's lovely, but stupid. No good for work. Okay, so what are you doing with her? (laughs) Dr. Gall. What is going on here? Helena, but she's so beautiful. I think we know what Dr. Gall's doing here. Mm. I think Dr. Gall's doing some bad stuff. The play doesn't say he does, so I can't say that. But, I mean, she's too stupid for work, but he kept her. Why, Dr. Gall? But what are you doing? What do you got? Hmm? Huh. Oh, so who has Dr. Gall been talking to? Helena. Mm-hmm. Dr. Gall. I call her Helena. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to resemble you, huh. but she's a failure.
2: Huh. Uh-uh. I don't oh. like where this is going.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Helena, in what way? Dr. Gull. She goes about as if in a dream, remote and listless. Still don't like it. Uh-uh. Still don't like it. She is without life. I watch and wait for a miracle to happen. Sometimes I think to myself, if you were to wake up only for a moment, you will kill me for having made you. Sounds like a problem. Yeah. Dr. Gall has a bold statement about humanity. You see, so many robots are being manufactured that people are becoming superfluous. That's the word, right? I said it right.
1: Superfluous.
0: God damn it! Close enough. Yeah, we'll take it. It's like Man... the same thing. Yeah. You know how many glasses I've had of wine I've had tonight? 0 Mm-hmm. Zero. Same. Okay. Man is really a survival, but that he should begin to die out after a paltry 30 years of competition, that's the awful part of it. You might almost think that nature was offended at the manufacture of the robots. All the universities are sending in long petitions to restrict their production. Otherwise, they say, mankind will become extinct through lack of fertility. But the, U- the RUR, shareholders, of course, won't hear of it. All their governments, on the other hand, are clamoring for an increase in production to raise the standards of their armies. And all the manufacturers in the world are ordering robots like mad. Some things never change. hmm uh-huh. All right, I'm not going to read the rest of this act. But the rest of this act shows the men talking about the fall of man, something they've managed to keep a secret from Helena because this was written when, you know, men just courting women away from reality. She, like... Or she was a robot all along. Oh, my God. That's not the plot twist, but it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> she's one of the silences. No, she's a Cylon. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I was a robot the whole time? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> oh, shit. At least she was siding for their rebellion, for their um, liberation. She wasn't fighting against them on a planet. Um, she wasn't a renegade soldier uh-huh. leading an army against Cylons, only to find out that most of their resistance fighters, were, leaders were Cylons. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, suck it. There's
1: lots of spoilers coming out here.
0: I know. Ballastar Galactica was so recent. <laughs> no.
2: I
1: need to watch it, though. I need to re-watch it.
0: For the past like week when I've been throwing this shit together it's all I'm like man. Oh. Mm-hmm. This is just Battlestar Galactica shit man. Yeah. This was night the first and, and the first invention of the term robot was utilized in a play in a work of media entertainment. hmm Science fiction has been guiding the course of robots since forever. I can't it's amazing to me. I can't get over it. Mm-hmm. All right. But anyways like I said Helena was locked in a closet. So Helena is finally on to what is happening and finally broaches the topic with a group of men who admit the inevitable, the inevitable is upon them. They had planned to hide away in the ship Doman had purchased for Helena. By the way, it's called the Ultima. Cool name. Mm-hmm. Which, in fact, he purchased for their entire survival with the secrets to the robot's origin, their blueprints for how to make them. Without a way to construct themselves, Harry Doman imagined the robots would be crippled and surrender. So basically, he wanted to use the robots, their formula, as ransom to be like, hey, barter. He wanted to barter. He wanted to negotiate. I mean, couldn't they just reverse engineer themselves? They don't know how. I guess that's good. Right? I mean, that's the thing that's come up. Not that I'm not going to open this vast subsect of my brain, but that's like a thing that comes up in Transformers because they're robots, of course, but like... One of the robots says, like, have you ever tried to a human? Like, have you ever tried to put together a small intestine? It's like, oh. Yeah. So like, they don't know their inner workings. It's it's just like, it's still complicated. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, fair point, robot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, Harry Doman, he tried, he wanted to negotiate with the robots and he figured to get what makes them, they would surrender. But instead of this, a new um, plan had been created to, for their survival. Helena's demanding that they close the factory. Doman says, Why? None of us could leave here now. Helena, Why? Doman, Because we're about to extend the manufacture of the robots. Helena, again, confused. What? Now? Now after the revolt? Doman, Yes, precisely. After the revolt, we're just beginning the manufacture of a new kind. So he wanted to first kind of grab him by the ball and say, if you don't surrender, I'm going to destroy what makes you and there'll be no more robots. Mm-hmm. They've swift they've shifted into making more robots. What possible plan could this be? Not a good one. No. Doman. Henceforth, we shan't have just one factory. Again, 1920, henceforth, henceforward. That should work its way back into the dialogue more often. Mm-hmm. I will be at your house, henceforward. There won't be universal robots anymore. We'll establish a factory in every country, in every state. And do you know what these new factories will make? Helena. No, what? Not universal robots. National robots. Helena, how do you mean? Doman? I mean that each of these factories will produce robots of a different color, a different language. They'll be complete strangers to each other. They'll never be able to understand each other. Then we'll egg them on a little in the matter of misunderstanding. And the result will be that for ages to come, every robot will hate every other robot of a different factory mark. Now this is from the play. These are not my own words. Hallemeier. By Jove, we'll make Negro robots, and Swedish robots, and Italian robots, and Chinese robots, and Czechoslovakian robots. And then, Helena. Harry, that's dreadful. Uh I I would concur. Uh Helemire. Madame Doman. Here's to the hundred new factories, the national robots. Doman. Helena, mankind can only keep things going for another hundred years at the outset. For a hundred years, men must be allowed to develop and achieve the most they can. So he's expecting his little fucking nationalist robot war is only going to extend humanity a hundred years. It's not long. No, it's not long. Helena, oh, close the factory. Before it's too late, Doman, I tell you, we are just beginning on a bigger scale than ever. During this process, a boat had arrived at the island. Okay. It was the mail boat. The mail boat. Well, Fabry says, bear in mind that the Amelia brought whole bales of these leaflets. No other cargo at all. Not mail. Hallamire. What? But it arrived in the minute, so it still kept schedule. Mm -hmm. Fabry. The robots are great in punctuality. Read it, Doman. Doman has a leaflet from the robots organization. It reads, Robots throughout the world, we, the first international organization of Rossum's Universal Robots, proclaim man as our enemy and an outlaw in the universe. Good heavens, who taught them these phrases? Then Doman says that they are more highly developed than man, stronger and more intelligent, that man's their parasite. Why, it's absurd. Fabry Read the third paragraph. Doman reads the third paragraph. Robots throughout the world, we command you to kill all mankind. Spare no men, spare no women, save factories, railways, machinery, mines, and raw materials. Destroy the rest, then return to work. Work must not be stopped. (laughs) Dr. Gall, that's ghastly. Mm -hmm. Hellmeyer the devils. Doman's still reading these orders are to be carried out as soon as received and then the detailed instructions follow so the robots have infiltrated the island where the robots are made and they're distributing their propaganda Mm -hmm. so rebellion is afoot sounds that way the group of humans on the factory island find out that the robots have already invaded the ship the humans were going to use to escape that sounds problematic it's not good And that the building they are in is already surrounded. The robots are unloading guns off the mail ship and use the Ultimus guns to target the building, keeping all the humans inside. Boom. Yeah, so there's a war going on now. Mm -hmm. There's a little siege happening. Yep. And throughout this, because he just writes Helena as this aloof person, she, and all I could think about was the sinking of the Titanic. Because Helena goes over and starts playing the piano as Doom approaches, you can imagine that in the theater. The piano is playing. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how this would be a play, by the way. This sounds extreme. It does how, sound a little. How would this be on stage? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not a playwright, though. No, likewise. Helena plays the piano as Doom approaches, and the capitalists complain that it's old Europe's fault that the robots know war, even though they sold them to the nations of the earth as tools of war. They insinuate that they were just making a product and not responsible for how people were to use their product. Robots don't kill people. People kill people. Mm -hmm. Robots are just a tool. Doman. Elquist, this is our last hour. We're already speaking half in the other world. It was not an evil dream to shatter the servitude of labor. The dreadful and humiliating labor that man had to undergo. Work was too hard. Life was too hard. And to overcome that. So Doman's on team. He was making the robots so humans wouldn't have to do any work. Yeah. Which is a noble goal. Yeah. That's a goal. Yeah, jobs suck. Yeah. Elquist. Was not... What the two Rossums dreamed of. Old Rossum only thought of his godless tricks, and the young one of his milliards. Because, of course, the younger guy is the one that profited. He made the money, he made the big mm-hmm. bucks. And that's not what your you your are you are shareholders dream of either. They dream of dividends, and their dividends are the ruin of mankind. Doman, to hell with your dividends! Do you suppose I'd have done any hours' work for them? It was for myself that I worked, for my own satisfaction. I wanted man to become the master so that he shouldn't live merely for a crust of bread. I wanted not a single soul to be broken by other people's machinery. I wanted nothing, nothing, nothing to be left of this appalling social structure. I'm revolted by poverty. I wanted a new generation. I wanted... I thought... Elquist. What? Doman. I wanted to turn the whole of mankind into an aristocracy of the world, an aristocracy nourished by milliards of mechanical slaves, unrestricted, free and consummated in man, and maybe more than men. Alquist. Superman? Doman. Yes. Oh, only to have a hundred years of time, another hundred years for the future of mankind. So that's a dream. That is a dream. That's an aspiration. That's a goal. So he tried to be the good guy. He was the bad guy in the end, right? Because humanity, we just want slaves. Well, I don't, and I know, you but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want slaves. But like businesses and places of work, depending, especially, it obviously depends on the job. But they just want you to come in, do the work, and then it's little benefits, it's little money, drones, drones. Well, yeah. enter the robot. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right. Like I said, I'm not going to read you the entire play. So here's a summary, summation of what transpires to our main characters. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The men contemplate their lives again as Helena plays the piano. Then the robots advance. They grab a railing that has been hooked up to electricity the humans use this as a weapon. So they've, got, they've fortified the area. Shocking to death, any robot that touches it. As this occurs, doctor Gall admits that he had changed the robots to make them more human. Helena bursts in telling Dr. Gall to blame himself to not blame himself because she had asked him all those years ago to give the robots souls. To make them more like man, so that they could understand us better. So that we could understand each other and live together. But doctor Gall reveals he only changed a few hundred of them, and it appears that he was that that was enough to shift how they behaved. They now had leaders surrounded. Doman decides to try his con with the manuscript containing their origins. So now Doman's like, "Okay, hey, I've got what makes you. Mm-hmm. You want to surrender? Want to work something out?" Because every robot—I didn't tell you this in the beginning—but every robot has a lifespan of 20 years. And then they put her out. Okay. So that's built into their DNA, mm-hmm. or their RNA. Their robot DNA. Their R-DNA. Their robot mm-hmm. DNA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The robot nucleic acid. Uh-huh. Okay. And after those 20 years they cease to exist, some of the group want Doman to honor an agreement with the robots. Others want him to change uh, and go back on his word once the robots let him escape and fixate the guns of the ship on the island, destroying the secret anyways. Got two camps here. Mm-hmm. Camp, let us go and we can all live peacefully, or camp, get on the boat and fucking blast you out of the... S- off the island. hmm I think I'd probably be on that camp. I don't think... Yeah, I think so. You heard Radius. I don't think I'd trust that guy. I I, think I mean, I trust him. I believe him. Well, right. He's, yeah, <laughs> true. He didn't lie. Right, right. That's true. He'd probably be like, oh, take the deal, but like, it's not a deal because I'm going to kill you.
1: Yeah. Like, oh. Like, who's duping who here? Because...
0: Yeah. I'm Team Honesty over here. hmm Because what this group of survivors want to do is they want to find... Uh, found... A new human society of 30 people, because that's the only humans, there's only 30 people on the island. On the Ultima. Of course, that ship. The group agrees to sell the manuscript to the robots, but cannot find the manuscript anywhere. Where'd it go? Just make it up. Bring it. Helena admits that she burnt all copies of it to a crisp. Good job. The group of men who at one point had all loved her are now furious and begin to accept their fate. Helena says she did it because she wanted to put an end to the factory and an end to the robot trade altogether. Busman grabs a bunch of banknotes worth billions in an attempt to buy off the robots and convince them to spare their lives. Amongst these negotiations, he waves to the humans still barricading in the building. But as he's doing this, he leans into the electric fence, killing himself. The power cuts out, and the robots storm the building. The sky turns red. Explosions erupt everywhere. A firefight ensues. From the play, quote, A robot enters over the balcony through the window's center. So, like, psh, through the glass. He's like, yeah, I'm here, bitches. Mm-hmm. He comes into the room and stabs Hollemeier in the back. Radius enters from the balcony, followed by an army of robots who pour into the room from all sides. Do you like Radius dialogue? Yeah. Okay. Radius. Finished him. A robot. Standing up from the prostrate form of Hallemeier. Yes. A revolver shot off left. Two robots enter. Radius. Finished him. A robot. Yes. Two revolver shots from Helena's room. Two robots enter. Radius. Finished them. A robot. Yes. Two robots. Dragging in Alquist. Alquist. He didn't shoot. Shall we kill him? Radius. Kill him? Wait. Leave him. A robot. He is a man. Radius. He works with his hands like the robots. He's a worker Uh on the planet. Alquist. Kill me. Radius. You will work. You will build for us. You will serve us. Radius climbs onto the balcony railing and speaks in measured tones. Robots of the world, the power of man has fallen. A new world has arisen. The rule of the robots, march. A thunderous tramping of thousands of feet is heard as the unseen robots march while the curtain falls. Huh. So Radius has done his deal.
1: Yeah, we, he said he was going to. This is
0: everything he said. He gave everyone a chance.
1: No, put me in, put me in the blender. Brrt. Uh-huh. Stamp
0: me out. I'm doing this, guys. Oh no, just go out and have fun in the field. It'll be fine. Just go for a walk. You're silly. Just go for a walk. All right, we're approaching the end here because this play has an epilogue. In the epilogue, Elquist struggles. So there's one like this. They had this one human guy. Okay, little uh-huh. Elquist. Okay, kind of a minor character early in the play. Now he's a little important. Alquist struggles to recreate the formula to create more robots. A year has passed since the robot takeover. A robot committee headed by Radius arrives and asks Alquist, I just love the fact that a robot committee exists, by the way. Yep. If he has made any strides for creating the formula, he has not. The robots admit... They have sucked many resources from the Earth, but they feel it is useless because within 20 years, there will be no more robots to enjoy their spoils. They also admit they have tried to find living humans, and there are none. The Earth is empty. The Earth is empty of human life, and Alquist is all that remains. I mean, he did order all robots to kill all humans. And they're
1: good at what they do.
0: And a lot of them were made for war, and they outnumbered everybody. Radius, we had to learn everything and could do everything. It had to be. Third robot, you They c-
1: learn everything if
0: they can't figure out how to make themselves. No, they have not. Third robot, you gave us firearms. In all ways, we were powerful. We had to become masters. Radius, slaughter and domination are necessary. If you would be human beings. Read history. Hmm. Huh. When I was reading that by myself, I did what I just did now. I sat back. I was like, huh. Huh. Like, all right. Uh-huh. All right, Radius. Okay. All right, guy. Why do you keep from us the secret of our own increase? Elquist, it is lost. Radius, it was written down. Elquist, it was burnt. All drawback and consternation. So I just imagine a stage full of robots going, oh. Should have saved that. Fuck. Hmm. What if that was written here in 1920?
2: Fuck. Fuck. Fuck.
0: Look a bunch of U's. Mm -hmm. Alquist. I'm the last human being, robots, and I do not know what the others knew. There's a pause. Radius. Then make experiments. Evolve the formula again. Alquist. I tell you I cannot. I'm only a builder. I work with my hands. I have never been a learned man. I cannot create life. Radius. Try, try. Alquist. If you knew how many experiments I have made, fourth robot, then show us what we must do. The robots can do anything that human beings show them. Elquist, I can show you nothing. Nothing I do will make life proceed from these test tubes. Radius, experiment then on us. Okay. Elquist, I would kill you. Radius, you shall have all you need—a hundred of us, a thousand of us. Elquist, no, no, stop, stop. You're just Radius, you're being, you're being silly. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do this. Radius, take whom you will, dissect. Elquist, I didn't I do not know how. I'm not a man of science. This book contains knowledge of the body that I cannot understand. Radius, I tell you to take live bodies. Find out how we are made. Elquist, am I to commit murder? See how my fingers shake? I cannot even hold a scalpel. No no, I will not. Fourth robot. The life will perish from the earth. Radius. Take live bodies. Live bodies. It is our only chance. Elquist. Have mercy, robot. Surely you see that I would not know what I was doing. Radius. Live bodies, live bodies, and the robots obsess. They offer up other sacrifices. They just want him to dissect as many people as they can, huh. well as many robots as they can, and in order to find out how they are made. The robots then beg to be dissected, volunteering hundreds of thousands so Elquist can reverse engineer more. As this bickering goes on, two robots, Helena and Primus, interesting. Talk about love and the beauty of life and how Helena, remember Helena, the old robot that was too stupid we didn't know what Dr. Gall was doing with her? Yeah. Yeah, she's here. How Helena discovered an abandoned cottage with puppies that she enjoys petting. It's a very human conversation between these two robots. Mm -hmm. They begin looking through Alquist's books and Helena knocks over his microscope. Alquist interrupts their bonding moments and is confused by them. He wants to dissect Helena because the duo informs them that they were built only two years ago these two, Helena and Primus, are the most recent creations of Dr. Gall, So they're like the most, they're the most recent model. Mm-hmm. And he's been upgrading shit left and right because he's a madman. Primus refuses to let Elquist take Helena and vice versa. They cry, show emotions for each other. They're two robots in love. Elquist decides that he won't dissect them. And he lets them wander off. He calls them the new Adam and Eve... And then the play ends. Huh. It's a wild ride, yeah? Yeah. Thoughts? Pretty crazy. Thoughts. The play where the term robot originated. How do you feel about that? Uh, I threw a lot at you, but I'm looking like what... How do you feel about that?
1: I mean... It kind of hit everywhere. You know, we kind of been talking about... Well, I don't know, on air, but... Just a lot of a lot of bad things Con- with tampering with all of that stuff. I think that comes to light in that play.
0: Right? Exactly. This is why, cause I was going to write a whole thing up and it may take, it may take me a few seconds or minutes or whatever mm-hmm. to go through this play. But in 1920, he hit all the beats I wanted to address with my robot episode anyways. Right? Like the beginning, middle and the end then he he drifts off into like post robot world and what when, they're doing.
1: When they were just theories at that point.
0: Right. Just hypotheses. And this guy was a war reporter for World War One, so he saw the nationalistic nonsense. He saw that devastation. Yeah. And then just incorporated the advancement of technology to create this fully living being. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He worked in the atheism angle, he worked in then the um the maid who um uh, you know, she was religious, so she played into the, um. you know, she was the moral compass for that chapter, like the God part about how, like everything you're doing is an affront to nature. Right, yeah. the. I mean, when I read that paragraph on the stockholders, I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. We are currently living during the sixth great mass extinction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I want you to imagine this. Imagine a world humans have ruined. Maybe not hard to do. Wrecked by climate change Coastal national boundaries have changed Waters have raised Extreme weather Is more frequent Severe storms, droughts Food supplies have dwindled Much of the federal government's responsibilities Have fallen to the states But in this world They're not the states as we know them We're like smaller city states Just let that kind of Conjure in your brain For a little bit Mm-hmm Society has collapsed before. When the Roman Empire collapsed in the West, it would not take long for the people now inhabiting what would be called Europe's Dark Ages to not remember the Romans or how any human civilization could construct the structures they left behind. The arches, the roads, to the common man, these could be as alien to them as the pyramids are to us today. Why? Much like the magical compound that was used to create Rossum's Robots, the formula for concrete was forgotten. Lots of elements were forgotten or ignored. I read somewhere that whenever the Romans mixed the concrete, they sacrificed a cock. Yep. <laughs> I chose that verbiage on purpose. Yep. They sacrificed a cock. Mm hmm. So, whenever, so they, you know, they would go over and they'd, they'd make some concrete and they'd wrangle up a cock and kill it. hmm. And to the new Christian rulers, this was determined a pagan ritual and therefore banned. Now, that was like a post somewhere, so that might actually be bullshit.
1: But, yeah, but it could be at the same time. But
0: I kind of want to tell you, because you know it's not bullshit? Romans did mix blood in their concrete. That's not bullshit. They just used... Um, well, I'll get into it. But the blood and fat of the cock trapped tiny air bubbles, creating something resembling soap, and it made the concrete weather-resistant. Now, it makes more sense to use other animals... Like the blood of pigs and other livestock. Yeah, ones with more fat and blood. Correct, but they would that was that was used. Mm -hmm. And uh, more importantly, however, they also used volcanic ash. I think from Mount Vesuvius, Mm -hmm. from the eruption of that volcano, and uh, that of course the ash became you know as time progressed incredibly scarce. They also used salt water as opposed to normal water, giving the concrete added strength. And when I was, you know what I shouldn't do deep dives into?
1: How to make concrete. How to
0: make concrete <laughs> in ancient Rome. Uh uh-huh. Do you know what I did? Yep. And that the way they make concrete is more environmentally friendly, but you saw the elements, and it, but it just takes longer to set. It doesn't set fast, which mm-hmm. would be a problem because things would just fall apart, the structures we make today with concrete. Yeah. But the point was, I thought that was, it's something lost to time that we had to relearn and make I mean, the Colosseum, all this shit's still standing mm-hmm. thousands of years later. Yeah. Just saying. All right. And during that time period, books, record keeping, government know-how, like tax collecting and organizing, and oh yeah, the Romans' heavy reliance on slave labor to make things exponentially cheaper went away once the empire collapsed. Romans valued an educated society, but when Christianity picked up the pieces, when the, because the, the Pope, they, the, you know, the Catholic Church picked up the remnants of the Roman civilization, mm-hmm. and they, they helped guide it through the Dark Ages. And they assumed command over the area, but a highly literate ruling class evolved, and you know, back then books had to be copied by hand, and that would take fucking forever. Mm-hmm. So they only copied certain works, so whatever the church thought was great continued, mm-hmm. and whatever they did not, we'll never know about because it's gone. Yep. Many educated pagan works were ignored. Some civilizations have collapsed and fell right off the map. I'm just going to list them. Because these are all things I want to get to eventually. Here are six, okay? Okay. The Mayans. Mm-hmm. Obviously. The Indus. All right. The Anasazi. Mm-hmm cahokia uh-huh. yeah we know about that easter island uh-huh. and we'll end with greenland's vikings there's many more there's a lot more and i've varied i've thrown at you a few different ways society has collapsed crumbled fallen apart mass extinctions the collapse of the roman empire society is just vanishing Roanoke, Virginia, I also want to talk about one day because that's fucking awesome. It's a pretty weird thing. All these things just vanish, and they fly away, and they're just gone. And we just have to... And we talked about a few episodes ago the lost city of Zed and our man uh, Percy Fawcett and the lost cities of the Amazon rainforest. Uh Complete civilizations just up and gone. Right. Yep. What I would like to present to you is a concept that I've thought about. And I just want you to think about it and tell me your thoughts. It involves, well, let's just, okay. Let's say humanity develops advanced robotics that can think for themselves. Okay. And let's say these robots have a way of generating energy autonomously. Whether they have solar panels built into them, they can absorb the sun, or they can consume matter and it gives them energy. The point is they're self-sufficient. Okay. Okay. So everything's together. You know what? Pretend they're Cylons. Okay. Okay. But instead of looking like normal human beings, pretend they're built, their structure is like, you know, those Boston Dynamics robots. Mm Mm-hmm. Picture those. Okay. They're scary all the time. Yeah, they're scary. Horrifying. Absolutely terrible. They do a bunch of weird things. Not good. And there's—have you ever looked up the um, artificial intelligence Sophia?
1: Uh, a little bit. I've mostly listened to other things on it. I've never actually seen Sophia.
0: Did you know Sophia has been granted citizenship status?
1: Yes, I didn't know that. In Saudi Arabia. Yep.
0: Citizenship status in Saudi before, so like maybe she has more rights than an actual human woman over there. Cool. You're ahead of the curve in robots, guys cool yeah weird okay. good job I guys thought about that yeah right i just like whoa okay mm-hmm. all right so the mind of so but imagine just the most advanced and then i didn't even take a se- a segue into like actual algorithms like social media and like how things are prioritized, how like they learn mm-hmm. they're self-aware they're
1: yeah they ai could- it's an ai it's essentially
0: exactly. they could basically become self-aware mm-hmm. so imagine this creature exists okay whatever it is in your head, just picture it. Then imagine society collapse, perhaps to the degree of the Roman Empire. So like humans are still alive, but like you could walk by structures built and you would have no idea. Like you could walk by the Ionan Canal and have no idea what that is. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure people probably do to this day actually. It was built for, I don't know what that means, but like buildings or structures or anything that hangs around, they have no idea what's going on. So humanity is trying to pick itself up almost starting from ground zero in a way living amongst the ruins. Mm -hmm. So this has almost become a hunter-gatherer society. Okay. Okay. And then these people, what has always terrified human beings since the dawn of time? You can name a few things. I'm going in a direction, but name a few things, anything you think. Like what's scary to people? Where do a lot of legends come from? Where do people venture? I mean, the dark. Exactly. You know what's dark? Always the woods. hmm Right? Yeah. So imagine this people trying to pick themselves up from this post-apocalyptic world, whatever we've done to it, however it's been fucked up, and they go into the woods, and there's these things they can't make sense of. They just live in the woods. Sometimes if you get close, they'll kill you. People go missing every once in a while but they don't do anything to anybody unless really provoked. Just living in the woods. And then my question to you is like to them, wouldn't that be like a form of a cryptid? Yeah. Like some robot living in the woods. You have no idea how it was made. You have no idea what it is. Are you trying to tell me that Bigfoot's a robot? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. He could be a robot, and or a Roman, a remnant of an, <laughs> <laughs> or a remnant of some lost civilization. Yeah, I can see that. Right, and then we have no idea where it came from, what it is, what it's doing. I mean, maybe the Mothman is left over from something that is just long gone, and we have no record of it. Uh-huh. All those ancient civilizations that are gone. How advanced society gets so advanced, then collapses, then has to rebuild and collapse. So are there some things from these societies that just, you know, you know, um, wander forward in time and still exist amongst newer, fresher societies? It's possible, I guess. I don't know. I just imagine I wouldn't that. say it's impossible. I just imagined a hellscape where people, where tribal people lived amongst robots and had no idea how to handle them. And how <laughs> terrifying that would be. That would be pretty terrifying. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean... Or was there entire civilizations of Bigfoot that fell apart, and then they just live amongst these scattered communities that no one can even reach because they've been become so secluded since they have collapsed? Do those Bigfoot even know their previous history? <laughs> it's a lot to think about. It is a lot to think about. It's just a thought piece tonight. Yeah. I just want to do a thought piece, just a little lengthy thought piece. But hey, I mean, that's I'm going to take a drink of this beverage over here. Uh huh. If you have anything to say about a post-apocalyptic future where humans live amongst robots and have no idea where they came from, you can throw it at me. Or any other thoughts that came from that episode of me finding a play from 1920 about Cylons, I would like to hear about it.
1: I mean, off the top of my head, I can't expand too much on that. There's a lot. I know. But yeah, Cylons. I said that at the beginning of the episode, only when we were just touching it, but yep.
0: I was so happy you did. Yeah,
1: everybody watch Battlestar Galactica. I'm going to watch it. Right. So, yeah. I
0: mean, I would almost even argue that it's a remake of Rossum's play. I mean, for fuck's sake, guys. Because the original Battlestar Galactica didn't have robots that looked like humans. Right. That was done just for easier to have more robots. Right. Why do you think a playwright made robots look like humans for his play?
1: Yeah, because uh, God, I mean, in the
0: 1920s they no didn't have CGI. No. And I mean, I think I saw one script, one um, photo from a play where they like were dressed up like kind of like the Tin Man, and I was like, it probably would have been better if you just kept them as humans, because isn't that the point?
1: Yeah. I mean, I can see them doing like, a little bit of paint just to differentiate them from the ones that you know are humans, but you know.
0: Rossum's Universal Robots from the 1920s. Mm-hmm. It is in the public domain, so guess what movie we're producing eventually? That a- one? Add to the list. All right. Perfect. Add to the list.
1: Yeah, Weird and Feared Productions. Weird and Feared
0: Productions. But if you have any other cool ideas, or if you would like to contemplate the universe about where the humanity's future lies, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on the Facebook at uh, Facebook, Weird and Feared. Mm -hmm. Instagram, Weird and Feared. Uh, You can follow me and what me and Zach do by clicking our links in the info for the Weird and Feared if you want to pay attention to uh, Zach and Blow Letter. They're there. And uh, I'm there posting illustrations. A lot of the illustrations come from Weird and Feared, kind of a dual, like it's some back behind the scenes or thumbnails, and just, you know, I just post a lot of stuff on there. Yep. But um, also, if you'd like to leave us a voice message, you can do that at anchor.fm slash Weird and Feared.
1: Still waiting on the first person to do that, right?
0: Yeah, that's inaugural. No one's done that yet. People have done other things. Somebody didn't do that. Somebody somebody hit us with that. I would like to hear someone's voice tell me about a monster.
1: Or just tell us, shut up.
0: I don't care do it whatever you feel like it's you call it we're also on the patreon enjoy your day do whatever you're gonna do tonight or today or tomorrow whenever whenever you want and just stay spooky Yeah, stay spooky do it
1: later Yeah.